Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Cassandra. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Resource Room Podcast. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm good, and I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you for having me. I am so excited for my listeners to hear all of the wisdom that you have to share with us. And I first have to tell them kind of a little bit about why you're here or who you are to me, and then I'll let you introduce yourself. Does that sound okay? That sounds good. Okay. So Cassandra and I have known each other kind of in like roundabout ways for years. I used to work with her mom a long, long time ago. And then she started teaching at a different school in my district. And so we kind of hooked up, I think, shared resources and talked to each other a little bit. And at that time, were you in a self-contained ED room? Is that what you were doing at that time? At that time, I was resource. 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 Okay. And so you've kind of moved around a little bit. Now you teach in a whole different district. So I would never get to see you at any trainings or any of that. But... One day, I don't even know how we worked it out, but it was like, hey, Cassandra, would you like to help me with some of my TPT products? And so Cassandra is amazing. Whatever I ask her to do, like with the reading series or any of those things, you help and you do an amazing, amazing job. And then you also help in the Facebook group for resource room teachers and help bring people in, moderate comments, that kind of thing. And so you are a huge part of the team that is kind of behind the primary gal. And so I appreciate your help. And originally she was supposed to be my first interview. I was like, Cassandra, will you please be my first interview so I can get over all my nerves and the tech glitches and all that. And it just didn't work out. So you, as it turns out, are my last interview, Cassandra. (laughs) So now She's like, I'm on the spot and I have to be interviewed and I'm not even the first one, but I still know you have lots of wonderful pieces of information to share. So that that is the backstory, but let's dive in really to questions. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've taught, what you're currently teaching, and even a little bit of your personal life, because that definitely plays a role into teaching. Okay. So starting kind of back at the beginning from my side of things is I started following the primary gal like you way back, I think right after I graduated from college. And I did not even realize that you were from, you know, the same town, like even from Indiana still. And then I found out that you work with my mom. Yes. I was like, mind blown. Like I've been following her for so long and love her blog and her teachers pay teachers store. So that was so funny. Um, what a small I, world, right? Like such a small world. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I started out as a resource teacher and did that for about three years or so before I switched over to self-contain, um, in my previous district. And I taught self-contain, um, 
kiddos with behavior disorders. And which you kicked butt at, by the way. Like (laughs) I remember observing in your classroom and I'm like, oh my gosh, she is amazing. Thank you. But continue. So then I transitioned from that over to an autism program, which I absolutely loved. And then I actually moved to a different town um, for my husband's work and am back in the behavior world. So self-contained with behavior kiddos. Wonderful. And then you recently had an addition to your family. Tell us about that. So my husband and I got married about a year and a half ago and he has two amazing kiddos, Nolan and Harper. They're twins and they go to my school. And we, about six months ago, just welcomed a baby into mm-hmm. our family. And he has been such a blessing to all of us. So he's so much fun. And the older kiddos are just completely obsessed. Yes. <laughs> and so yeah. helpful. And, just- and rightfully so, because he's absolutely adorable. Like, he is so, so cute. But that kind of leads me to my first question. You have a lot going on. You know, you have a six-month-old baby. Yes, you had your maternity leave, but now you're back. You're doing the full-time teaching thing, plus three children at home, a husband and all the other things. Helping me, I dump a lot on you too. How do you juggle all of those things? That's a lot. I think when I first started out, I was so gung-ho, like, oh, I'm going to be at every single PTO meeting and every single, just volunteering for every single committee. And I had to learn the word no. And if I wasn't able to make it to something, it did not make me a bad teacher. It did not mean that I did not care about my school family. I had to kind of divide it a little bit more, um, divide my time. That and, and today also just being as proactive as possible and preparing as much ahead of time as possible. Uh, I definitely still do a lot of work at home daily, but before I leave school that night or that afternoon, just preparing as much for the next day or ahead of time, making all the coffees, you know, that sort of thing. And it just takes so much less stress off my plate. And it's just such a good feeling to have everything ready for the next day or for the next few days. That's wonderful. I feel like, and maybe it's just the teacher like mentality or it, what's like kind of ingrained in our DNA that makes us great teachers is it is really hard to say no. And it's really easy to put everybody else first. And then we're losing our marbles because we have said yes and yes and yes. And so I absolutely love that that is your tip or that's your lesson that you've learned because so many of us can't. I feel like now, you know, 10 years into teaching, I'm just realizing like, no, I'm not coaching that. No, I can't help with that. It is hard because every time I'm saying yes to that, I'm saying no to something else. And usually it's my own kids or my own sanity even, you know? Right. So I, I really, really love that. And I think people need to like hear that and almost have permission that it's okay to say no to all the things. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember in my first, like first or second year of teaching, I was responding to emails at like 11 o'clock at night, like about IEPs or in response to, you know, our school psychologist just sent the report. And my principal was like, Cassandra, like you need, (laughs) I'm seeing the (laughs) timestamp on this email, like you need to take a break. And I was just so, you know, I was giddy. I was so excited. I love my job and 
but I was definitely paying for it in the long run. You know, I was just exhausted and I didn't think I was doing my best teaching at that point then too. Which is like good. We want teachers who are excited. We want teachers who are like in it and motivated. But if you go like that all the time, you're going to be burnt out in no time. And then you're going to like resent the time that you missed. As a special education teacher, we have so much to do. We have paperwork, we have lesson plans, all the things. Do you have any tips or ideas, things that you do to stay organized? I have some things that help me and I don't know if they would be very helpful to other teachers, but I would happily share about them. One thing that um, over the course of, you know, through COVID times and everything is we've gone back and forth between in-person and virtual and, you know, all that fun stuff. And one thing that I've just recently started doing that I think is helping me, it's helping my kiddos, whether they're in person or at home. Um, and it, my instructional assistants have also kind of mentioned how it's helping them just stay on task and know what to expect for the day is I'll share my lesson plans in an agenda layout um, for all of them to view on Google Classroom. So if, you know, we're going throughout our day in a self-contained setting, it's a little bit different. Um, and then we lose where we're at. And I'm like, okay, let's revert back to the agenda. Mm -hmm. Like, this is where we are. This is what we've got left for the day. And so that's been really helpful to just kind of keep us organized and on task, know exactly what we'll need for the day. You know, I can put whatever links we'll need and like, all right, next to it. Like, you know, if we have an activity that goes with it, all right, you know, like the three little pigs activity and I'll know like, that's exactly what I need to grab. Um, so that really helps. And then I keep almost all of my resources on Google drive organized in or I try to organize it in a way that I'll know where to find it, which is the tricky part, you know, like <laughs> we have our reading units. So within my reading units, I've got like my nonfiction, my historical fiction and so on. And so that way, you know, next year when we are back at this, I can reopen up that folder on my drive and right there it is. Um, when it comes to individual students, I have a binder for each kid and I've done this whether I was in, resource or self-contained um with all of their you know their information in it that way when I'm going to a case conference pull that binder off my shelf and take it with me I've heard that from so many teachers that I've interviewed and I don't have a binder for everybody I feel like I'm really slacking I just have a folder like I think I need a binder <laughs> I think you do they're so helpful yes well like everybody has a folder but I feel like instead I've got like progress monitoring here and a folder here with like paperwork and the boring stuff. And then I have a clipboard that I take to my meeting. So it's almost like, I think if I had a binder, maybe it would be a, everything's in one place. So I love the binder idea. What do you keep in your binder so that when it is time to go to a meeting or you are, you know, getting that out for one reason or another, what do you have there so that you do have everything that you need? Almost like you said, you have your three different things. I have, you know, I have the most current IEP. I used to keep uh, previous IEPs in there. And then over the course of the years, there gets to be a lot. So sure. I just try to keep the most current one. That way I can just pull it out and look at it um, I, in different tabs. And then I have like their progress monitoring data or any assessments, you know, that I use for the progress monitoring. Um, and then I also... Sometimes I'll print out like their data reports 
like through our school systems, you know, we do NWEA mm-hmm. and iReady and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes I'll print that and put it in there as well, uh, just to have at a quick, when someone wants to see it, I can have it right there handy um, because it's easier than pulling it up online. But I try not to put too much in there because that's when I start to get overwhelmed and that's when I just start shoving all that in there like where do you store those in your room like do you have a bookshelf is it a cabinet where do you keep all of that I keep them above my desk or above my computer just Uh in a cabinet okay and then are these like one inch binders half inch binders how big they are one one inch binders yeah actually you know what okay I had in my room my reading series in one inch binders. And then as I hit a full 40 weeks of like, okay, now this level is finished. 40 weeks don't fit in that one inch binder very well. So I bought (laughs) colored, like here's red for the red, you know, the red level, yellow and orange and green and all the things. And they're one and a half. And so now I have all these, then I loved it for reading. So I did it for math, but now I have all these one inch binders that are cute i could use them because i kept thinking where am i gonna put all these binders because they're they're new and they're nice they just weren't big enough so knowing you're using a one inch binder would really be nice okay yeah do that and i mean you can use tabs or you can use sticky notes whatever yeah do you use sheet protectors like do you put things in there or do you just three hole punch it i just three hole punch it yeah it's probably much easier and cheaper yeah, it just saves time. Yeah. But. Um, do you ever let your assistants do things like that? Or is that a you thing? Um, my assistants are great. I think it kind of depends on um, what, you know, what their expectations are. Um, they help me with, you know, in the behavior program, we do data collection every single day. Uh-huh. And so they help me collect that data. And then once we're done with that for the day, um, they put, they file it away in their binders. And so we keep that data, their daily data for a little while, but I don't keep it forever. Right. Because right. Again, again, it's every day. Yeah. 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 So yeah, they have access to it. Uh, Oh, and another thing that we keep in the binders is like any seclusion and restraint forms that we have to Mm -hmm. uh, submit to the, to the district. Which would be good because that paperwork can get out of hand really quick. Even, um, I do have a spot in my room, like my two, to be filed section. And sometimes I feel like I'm so caught up and everything is filed like it's supposed to. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Whoa, where did all this come from? Like sometimes it is like, well, I held three or four meetings that week. I did do this and I did do that. So it, it just quickly gets out of hand. And I could see that, that daily data piece. You can't throw that in a to-be-filed folder or, you know, a place. You've got to really say, no, it goes in the binder. Hole punch it, throw it in the binder. Yeah. And that's one of the things when it comes, like, back to the organization and, like, how I can prepare for the next day is to make that to-be-filed pile as slim as possible, you know? Yes. It's such a good feeling to have it take the couple minutes to put it away or to have someone help you put it away and just get her done. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, so with that, what kind of data are you collecting on a daily basis? Obviously it would be whatever behaviors are most concerning at that time, or, you know, their IEP goals, 
but what kind of goals and then how do you do it where it can be quick and easy? What does that data look like? So we do, uh, all my kiddos have behavior data or behavior goals. Um, a handful of them have academic goals. Uh, so I have a scatter plot type sheet where students, you know, we define what their behaviors are and what we're trying to achieve, you know, is their goal. And so we write down kind of the outline of what their day looks like, you know, morning work, announcements, circle up, math rotations, you know, intervention time, so on and so forth. And then I have each of the behaviors defined and we basically fill in a little bubble in their column if they um, say were physically aggressive during math or if they were verbally defiant during, you know, circle up, whatever. Um, and then at the end of the day, we tally it up and we figure out, oh, you know, Cassandra was compliant 90% of the day, but refused 10% of the day, just based on those numbers. Um, and then we take that information in that day, that way it makes our week look easier instead of holding on to all of the, all of those documents, um, put it into a Google form, uh, which then we can use that when it comes to IEP meetings and progress monitoring and that kind of thing. That's a great idea. So is it, is it saying like, okay, Amanda had 10 incidences today or 10 behaviors or, you know, 10 bubbles on her chart. And so in Google form, you might go in and say, here's Amanda's Google form. Her number today was 10. Tomorrow, maybe it's 15. Two days later, then maybe it's eight. Or is that what you're entering into your Google form? Yeah. And I put like out of how many okay. too. So that okay. way it's like an actual percentage. Um, and I also always put on the Google form, like just for my own sanity, uh, like what that baseline is and what the goal is. Like, so say Amanda started out with, 20 a day mm -hmm. and is working towards maybe two a day. So you can kind of see the growth over time or the improvement over time. Yeah. So how does that work with your Google forms? And then you have an annual and the goal is different or you have a reevaluation or something where that goal is changing. What do you do with your Google form then? I usually keep it um, just in my Google form drive or, you know, uh -huh. whatever that section is. That way, if I need to pull up you know, if I have a kid in the future that has a similar goal, like I don't have to reinvent that right. form. And then you uh, just like use the make a copy feature. Yep. Yeah. That's just genius. Names. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but then I would just make a new form and for the new goal or for, <clears throat> you know, after a reevaluation or what uh -huh. have you make a new form that fits the, the needs of the goal. Um, that makes it, you know, define it as much as you possibly can and make it something that can be measured. How do you keep track? Like, do you bookmark those? Do you have like a place where they're all linked? How do you keep track of where, you know, like I need Cassandra's. How do I get to it quickly? Yeah. So I have them all bookmarked on my, on my laptop and on my desktop computer. Um, and then my, I have two instructional assistants and they also take this data and they have them bookmarked on their phone, like saved into just a little uh, folder on their phone. That's a good idea because honestly, like it could get overwhelming, especially if you have multiple goals or do you only do your behavior goals that way? Like then academics could be measured a little differently. I do all of our goals that way. That way I just have that 
where I can easily pull up because you can take that data from the forms and have it input it onto a spreadsheet mm-hmm. where it's super easy to, you know, see the averages and that type thing. Um, so I have a form made for all of my students' goals and I don't do the academic goals every single day, right. but I try to do, you know, as frequently as possible. Um, but any, whatever assessment that I have, you know, I always tell people about like your progress monitoring assessments because I think they're amazing, but I can take that data off of that. Even if it's just like a worksheet, Mm -hmm. I'm using the same worksheet every time and I can input it into the form and it just keeps track for me. That way, when it comes time, time for, you know, our quarterly progress monitoring, I can pull that up and have that data right there. Yeah, that's nice. See, I I am so paper pencil that that like overwhelms my mind because somebody else yeah. that I interviewed a while back, she's like, I use Google Forms for everything. And I'm like, what? What do you mean you use Google Forms for everything? But I, I get yeah. it as you guys talk about that. But it's like, to me, I just also like it on paper. But why? Like, I don't need yeah. it on paper, really. I know. It's so nice to see it, though. The one thing that I used to do, I just don't do this anymore because it doesn't fit my current needs, uh-huh. but I used to print those forms. I would just print, you know, say 10 copies of might say I'm focusing like on an academic goal, uh-huh. like 10 copies of whatever the academic goal is. And hopefully that would last me, you know, a couple months or whatever, yeah. if I'm doing it like once a week. Um, and I would just grab one whenever I was going to do it with that student. And then I would put it in my needs to be filed. And then I would input it whenever I inputted the goals. Yeah or the, the data. So I would literally just print like the Google form. So it looked kind of wonky being printed out, uh-huh. but I would just handwrite on it. That way, when I went to go fill out the form a week later or a few days later, I didn't have to be like, Oh, how many words did she get? Right. Yeah. You know, that kind of, well also too, though, I don't know, maybe I'm the only person, but you like made your life harder. You like created a whole extra step in there by printing that out and yeah. handwriting it only to go into Google forms later. And like, why know. do we do things like that? But we do. And it also, like I said earlier, like it also depends on, you know, what the capabilities of your IAs or like your assistants are. True. Like if they are more paper pencil type people, then by all means, and, and there's someone that helps out with that progress monitoring or, or whatever, then. Yeah, yeah, I think that's genius. I need to at least, maybe I need to experiment with like one group or one grade level or something, or everybody who has this kind of goal, I should experiment just to try it out. Because yeah. I, I am probably making things a little harder than it has to be because I'm so tied to paper pencil. But at the same time, I tell people like with their calendar, do what works for you. If you're a paper pencil calendar person, do it. If you love Google Calendar, do it. So right. I mean, absolutely. I think we should try different things, but we don't have to like be married to it forever. It's okay yeah. to just try it for a little bit and see. Right. And and before I did like it digitally, I you know, back when I was in resource, that was before I even knew what Google Classroom and Google Forms right. was, like this was a few years ago. Um when I would either at the beginning of the year or whenever I would hold a kid's annual and a goal would change, like I would try to prepare all of the assessments for the year. So like all the progress monitoring for the year. And like I said, I use your progress monitoring assessment packet. Mm-hmm. So I would say, okay, Cassandra is working on identifying letters for her goal, this annual or whatever. And I would make like 
eight or 12 of that same copy of that same assessment. That way I don't have to go hunting for it later on. And I had one folder for each kid on the left side. I had ones that were not finished for say like language arts Uh and on the right side would be math or, you know, whatever their goals were. Um, And on the front of it, I had like typed out Cassandra, you know, whatever my goal was. And so then after I would, you know, quarterly or however often we did progress monitoring, I just pull it out with for each kid. Have them read the words and you're good. Yeah. It was ready. It wasn't all the stress of, ah, I don't even remember like how I assessed this kid or. Yeah, I do agree 100%. You've got to do it from the beginning of the year because I've written goals sometimes. Actually, I just wrote one for a student who for him, it's like, if we're working on something right then, he can remember all the words. Like he could read words with vowel teams and magic E words and things like that because we'd been working on it. But he could not read CVC words when I assessed him or words with beginning blends. And I'm like, dude, you read these words that were so much harder. And so I wrote a goal that I've never really written before. And it's if I give him 20 words where they are mixed, you know, we might have three that are CVC words, three with beginning blends, three with this, you know, just all kinds of things that he'll read all of them because we, we can't say he knows it and not revisit that. And so I've never written a goal like that. And so I made myself at that time type up the list of words. And really I did like two different versions. Yes. That way I'm not always giving him the same words, but it's like, if I don't do this now, the first time I have to progress monitor him, I'm going to be like, uh, where are the words? So I think it's good to, to do that and to remind people you're going to catch yourself in a sticky situation or like make it harder than what it has to be by not having things chosen. It doesn't have to be a word list. It could be a math assessment that they're going to do. Right. Whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Have it ahead of time. And I like your idea of have it in a folder, reading on one side, math on another. I think that's genius. That away, you really can. You've got everything you need for that student at that time. Yep. You just pull it out and, and put the date on it. Yeah. File it away. You know, yes, I love that. Well, Cassandra, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time away from your family tonight so that we could record. I feel like you shared lots of things that are simple and easy and good reminders to say no to things and keep it simple. We don't have to make things harder. And so I appreciate you giving up some time with your family and recording. I know sometimes we're busy, even for myself. It's like, oh man, why did I do this? Like I just made my evening more stressful. So I appreciate that. And I also want to remind listeners that Cassandra is in the resource room Facebook group. And she comments quite a bit as people ask questions, she'll share her answers. So be on the lookout even from things that she posts, or if you have questions, put that in there because oftentimes she'll respond. Um, And I love your behavior perspective too, because sometimes as resource room teachers, we still have students with behavioral needs, even though we're not in a self-contained setting. And so even sometimes just to have that perspective is wonderful. So Uh, We appreciate you, Cassandra. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. Yes, you're wonderful. Thank you for letting me, you know, join you on the research. Like, that is such a great resource. The resource (laughs) is great. It's a great resource because, I mean, it's so nice to have a place for everyone to 
collaborate and just bounce ideas back and forth. And I really do love that group because we are alone. Like sometimes in your yeah. building, you're literally the only person who does what you do. And sometimes even it's nice to be like, am I crazy here? Like, am yeah. I thinking right? Because sometimes our perspective is different than gen ed teachers or admin or, yes. you know, somebody who is in a resource room setting versus self-contained or, or whatever. It's just different. And so I like being able to to post questions or ask things and see, or even the inspiration of other people. I've seen so many things in the resource room and I'm like stealing that. Definitely going to yeah, do that. Genius. And I love how I love seeing people just, you know, build each other up yeah. and be encouraging. And because some days are hard. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I'm, probably a lot of days are hard. I shouldn't say some. I shouldn't say <laughs> yeah. a lot of days are hard, especially this last year has been even crazier than ever. So, oh, for sure. Well, I appreciate you. I'm so glad you're here and I'll let you go for the evening. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for having me. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.